It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Welcome into the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis who returns from beautiful Hawaii and a much-deserved vacation. The regular season is just about here. Teams are wrapping up the camps, leaving Florida, leaving Arizona, and we're going to get into our playoff predictions a little bit later in the podcast. But I want to start, guys, with talking about some prospects who really shined during the spring and uh, made their big league rosters. They're going to be on the big league team for opening day. Um, No surprise that Byron Buxton is going to be roaming center field for the Twins. Corey Seager, when healthy and ready to go, will be at shortstop for the Dodgers. But there are some other guys that that are more interesting, I think, to talk about as far as the podcast goes. Um, Jim, I'm going to start with you. First off, though, how was Hawaii? Hawaii was very, very nice. Uh, Obviously, uh, tremendous weather, uh, tremendous atmosphere, and uh, we have four kids. Anytime you can take a vacation without the kids, it's a rarity. And uh, kind of just enjoyed the scenery. Didn't do a whole lot and relaxed. So uh, I would give a, I would give an 80 to Hawaii on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. <laughs> Me and Jonathan had beautiful weather as well in Cary, North Carolina, for the NHSI, which is not always the case. But this year, it really came through for us. Probably not Hawaii good though. No, although it's funny, you know, it's my, I have my six-year-old daughters looking at Duke, and we actually went down to the. Raleigh Durham area, which you know carries right there, uh, in February, and it was the worst weather weekend probably of their entire year, where there was sleet and ice, and the campus got shut down on Monday. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys had much better weather than we did when we were there a month earlier. Yeah, we certainly lucked out. It was great in Cary, some great high school baseball. All right, on to the prospects, Jim, and I'm going to start with you. Trevor's story is going to be the Rockies' starting shortstop. Obviously, is a situation where. Jose Reyes isn't going to be there because of the off-the-field issues, but Trevor Story really came out this spring and and tore it up. He did, he did, and you know, it, I guess there's news now that Reyes is not going to be charged because his wife is not cooperating. He could still get suspended, like Aroldis Chapman got suspended. And regardless of that, I mean, I think the Rockies are obviously in full rebuilding mode. I think the Rockies would like nothing better than to you know, hand the shortstop job to Trevor Story and trade Jose Reyes somewhere and get some prospects for him and not pay his salary. Now, I don't know. You're going to have to get him on the field and, and hopefully get him off to a hot start. And I don't know what you do with Trevor Story when Reyes comes back. But, you know, it was funny. We, we talked, I think, about Trevor Story about three weeks ago when Jonathan and I were running around spring training, and he was kind of the talk of the, the Rockies camp. I mean, I, I think I said the time, the Rockies have the deepest farm system. Not necessarily the best, but I think the deepest farm system in baseball. And when we went on MLB Network, Greg Amsinger was giving me a hard time. How can this guy be ranked number 11th on your Rockies list? And I said, that's how deep the Rockies are. And you're talking about a guy, I don't know. I don't know if Trevor Story has a true plus tool, but he, he has he has he's probably solid or better across the board. He, best year he had in his minor league career last year, hit two seventy nine with with twenty homers in the upper minors, and I think he's got the chance to be a if, if he played every day and you get the boost from Coors Field, 
he could be a 15 homer, 15 steal, or, or maybe a 2020 guy in the big leagues uh, this year and, and certainly down the road with a chance to play. I, I don't think he's going to be a gold glove shortstop, but he's an instinctive defender. He's got a solid arm. He can play second and third. So at, at worst, I think he could be a really nice utility man if, you, if you're using him to back up LeMayhew and, and, and Reyes and, and Nolan Arenado. Um, he's not the fastest runner in the world. It's more average speed, but he, he really he had really good instincts on the bases. He's stolen bases at 88% clip in the Myers. He just plays the game the right way in all facets of the game, and I think he really opened a lot of eyes in, in Rocky's camp. So I'll be very curious to see when Reyes comes back. You know, I, I, you know, I, you, I guess you have to play Reyes to, like I said, justify that uh, – or to, to boost his trade value again. But I think long-term that the Rockies would be more than happy to, to trade Reyes somewhere and go forward with Trevor's story. Yeah, I, th- I think that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that the tail end of what you said, Jim, and just in terms of Story's ability to move around might serve him well if and when Jose Reyes is, is back and they want to try to sort of showcase him as much as possible, then Story could bounce around uh, and play different positions. It doesn't seem to bother him. Uh, moving around some, and I think that's the sort of heady nature of how he plays. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's gotten to the point now where it looks like he's ready to kind of maximize the, the tools that he does have. Uh, and as long as the, that strikeout rate isn't too crazy, um, you know, 141 strikeouts last year, but he did walk 51 times, you can keep that somewhat under control, I think then you know, you're going to see uh, some of the kinds of numbers that uh, Jim talked about. You have Brendan Rodgers as the Rockies' number one prospect, Forrest Wall number six, a couple of other middle infielders. Um, if, if everything went in the prospect world according to plan for the Rockies, down the road is there a situation where those guys are the middle infield and Trevor Story is kind of moving all over the place for that team? I know that's looking down the road a bit. Yeah, that, that probably is. I mean, the, the, the good thing for Trevor Story is he's going to get there a couple of years ahead of Forrest Wall, a couple of years ahead of Brennan Rodgers. And if Trevor Story comes out and he hits and he, you know, you know, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but I think he can be the type of guy who hits, you know, 270 or so with, with 15 to 20 homers in that ballpark and steals bases and plays solid defense. If he establishes himself as that kind of player, you know, th- th- then you see where, where these other guys might move. I mean, with, with both Rodgers and Wall, there's some question whether they stay at their current position. Rodgers might be better suited for third base, although I think Nolan Arenado is not going anywhere. Forrest Wall, you know, his arm is his worst tool. He had labor issues in high school. Um, it's getting better, but there's been some thought that he might wind up more in center field than at second base. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's the old, you know, you, you can never have too many good players. Uh, you know, some prospects will fall by the wayside, too, and you've also got Ryan McMahon at third base also is going to need a place to play, and he's getting time at, at first base this spring and will during the season. But, you know, if you have more players and spots to play in, then you start moving guys around. And what you wind up with is an even better defensive team because you have guys playing, you know, not necessarily at their most challenging position. But, you know, if Trevor Story, say, wound up at second base, and you know, he's a chance to, to be a solid plus defender at second rather than an average shortstop. So it will be interesting to see how all that plays out, both this year with Jose Reyes and in the future with all their depth. When you talk about an abundance of prospects at one position, Jonathan, how about the Cleveland Indians? And when you look at an outfield where their top two prospects are Bradley Zimmer and Clint Frazier, those guys not yet ready for the big leagues, but Tyler Naquin showed that he was this spring, another outfield prospect. He's ranked number nine according to Pipeline.com, but he's going to be out there on opening day for the Tribe. Yeah, and I think probably the the, the biggest surprise, I guess, uh, and, and it's spring training, and you have to actually – 
obviously take all those stats with the with the grain of salt. There's just the power um, that he's shown. Uh, you know, he had seven homers last year. Uh, you know, a little more extra base pop, but this is kind of always a guy who is, uh, you know, a hitter, uh, more of a slap guy, get on base, um, steal a few bases. Uh, you know, didn't really profile necessarily in, in any one place because you know not a burner so could he stay in center um you know the indians certainly think he can uh he's got good instincts out there and that's what they like but just on pure tools he's like he doesn't profile great at in, in center he's got a really really good arm you know a right fielder's arm but he doesn't have the power profile so he sort of profiles more as a fourth outfielder uh when all is said and done and i think eventually that is what he settles into but uh, listen, he there was an opportunity because uh, you know injury to Michael Brantley in particular, and and he took advantage of it, uh, and and he's hit. You know he he's he's hit through his time in, in the minor leagues. You know hit 300 last year. I think that he is uh, you know the he'll continue to do that. You know he's got a pretty good approach. Um, you know at the plate overall, it, it's not always the prettiest thing in the world. He's had some injuries. But I think he gets the job done, and I think if the, if Indians fans are expecting him to be, you know, some unbelievable rookie of the year candidate, uh, anything like that, um, I, they might be disappointed. But I think he'll contribute, and you know, maybe when Brantley comes back, he can settle into that sort of fourth outfielder spot where he maybe can move around a little bit, uh, and he'll steal some bases and, and things of that nature. So, but uh, yeah, he grabbed the bull by the horns for sure this spring. Yeah, and it's you know it's, I know it's 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 no one in the office. I, I'm usually the low guy on Tyler Naquin when it comes to discussing where guys should rank. But uh, you know he he probably is the best center field option for the Indians right now, even when Brantley comes back. I mean that's the thing that's impressed me the most about Tyler Naquin when he came out of A&M. Um, you know he's a guy who always hit for average in college, and he had one of the stronger arms in college baseball from the outfield. I, I was surprised that the Indians took him 14th overall. I, I saw him as more of a tweener, and he's been better in center field than I thought. I mean, you, you talk to some people, and not as an all-around player, but as a defender, some people think you know he might be a better center fielder than, than Bradley Zimmer or or Clint Frazier when all is said and done. And, and Frazier probably slides over to right field anyway. So it'll be you know it's, it's like we were saying with Story. I don't know if long term. You know, if you line up all the talent in the Indians organization and you look at their outfielders, that you'd say, okay, Tyler Naquin, he's Cleveland's center fielder of the future. But what he's going to do is he's going to get a head start on those other guys. And if he plays well defensively in center field and he hits for average and hits for a little bit of power, he, he might wind up carving himself out a role. Although, I mean, long term, you've still got to think it's going to be Brantley in left, Zimmer in center, and Frazier in right. But who knows? You know, Tyler Naquin has you know played well in center, not a position he played much at all in college. You know, the the A&M Texas A&M Aggies had a speedster Craig Bratson in, in center field, but uh, you know we'll see what he's done. And you know, certainly a, a great spring training. Much like Trevor Story, I, I don't think the Indians were looking at him to take that job coming in, and he's done it with his performance. Jim, when you look at the Astros, and obviously there was one position that was a big question, who would win it out for Houston this spring, and it was first base. And I think a lot of people would have said, hey, it's going to be A.J. Reed. He's the number two prospect in the organization. But along comes Tyler White and, and really won this thing during the spring. Yeah, and I don't 
don't think it's it's necessarily a fluke. I mean, again, I mean, it, it seems like the theme we're talking about with these guys is, yes, long term, AJ Reed is going to be Astros' first baseman, uh, you know, going forward. I mean, he, you know, last year AJ Reed led the minors in homers and RBIs and about 8,000 categories in his first full season of pro ball, and he's a second round pick, but he's only played a half season uh, in Double A, hasn't played in Triple A. Um, you know, I, I think the Astros, you know, want to see him, you know, make more consistent. Uh, or, or, or produce more consistently against quality left-handed pitching, and that's why he's going to start the year in AAA. He had a, a pretty good spring, too. But you know, Tyler White is – I mean, he's a great story. I mean, this is a guy who, who really, you know, first appeared on the Astros' radar when their analytics department was looking at college statistics. And when he was a senior at West Car- Western Carolina, he had 43 extra base hits and just 26 strikeouts. So they sent their area scout, Tim Bittner, out to look at him. And he liked his hitting building enough that they took him in the 33rd round and, and signed him for a whopping $1,000. And he has hit everywhere he has gone. Uh, and in fact, I mean, not only did he hit 325 with 14 homers last year, 442 on base percentage uh, in double A and triple A, he, he went to the Minnick Winter League in the offseason and he was the MVP there. He, he led that league in on base percentage and slugging and homers and walks. And I mean, what he is, he, he's got some strength and some raw power to him but it's more of a, a flatter line drive swing. So I don't think he's going to be a huge power guy, but he controls the strike zone. He walks more than he strikes out. He barrels the ball repeatedly. I think you're looking at a potential high average, high on base percentage guy with, with decent power. And, you know, I had a question in, in our MLB pipeline inbox uh, that, that went live uh, on the site today, you know, basically asking, you know, is this a fluke? Is he just keeping this warm? Is AJ Regan push him aside? And, you know, I mean, you know, they have Evan Gaddis, who's banged up, too. You know, you, they have a DH spot to fill, too. I, I can see Tyler White being their, their DH, you know, going forward after this year if he produces. I mean, the, the thing about a guy like Tyler White when you're 33rd-round pick is you have to prove yourself at every level. And if he and if he hits this year, uh, you know, when he gets the opportunity in Houston, then I think he, he could get, you know, some kind of DH role, you know, in, in the future when A.J. Reed is ready. You know, and it, it's hard to bet against this guy because he's hit and produced everywhere he's been. Uh, he's done it again. You know, spring training stats aren't super meaningful, but, I mean, he had to perform in spring training to win this job, and he did. And I don't think it's just uh, – I, I think there's a chance that Tyler White is more than a short-term solution. I mean, he's he's an all-bat guy. I mean, there's there, there's little speed. There's little athleticism. He's a well below average third baseman. He's a below average first baseman. Probably needs to be a DH. But this guy is hit, and uh, I'm not going to bet against him because he's he's hit everywhere he's been. Yeah, I, I think the whole thing was interesting because, uh, and I and I you know, tip my cap a little bit to the Astros because I think there are a lot of situations when you have a guy who's got a guaranteed contract. And I'm talking about John Singleton, that you're going to run him out there, you know, uh, maybe not no matter what, but uh, give him you know one more opportunity and you know at least out of spring. Uh, but you know this is a team that feels it has a chance to compete. And uh, they weren't just going to give a job to a guy because of, of, of a contract. Um, that probably was the biggest surprise. I'm, you know, I know there was talk about re-getting that job. I, I, I don't, you know, that was Jeff Luno talking at one point, and then created a lot of buzz. I, maybe that was to try to, you know, ignite something under Singleton a little bit. I, I'm not sure, but I'm glad that Reed's going to get a little more time at the upper levels uh, to, to get a few more professional at bats, uh, and he'll hit his way up you know, when when he's ready. And so I, I think that this is great for Tyler White, obviously, and uh, and I think in the long run it's going to be good for, for A.J. Reed, and they'll find a way to get both bats into the lineup. Uh, 
in the future if they can. Jonathan, we knew Dylan Bundy would be on the Orioles roster pretty much since the prospect is out of options. Um, but he kind of impressed. I, I, knew the, I knew the Orioles were going to put him in there, put him on the bullpen and, and see what happened because they couldn't send him down. But then he has a spring where he looks great and suddenly now maybe he's a bit of a weapon for the Orioles in that bullpen. Yeah, I, I think uh, he has done about as much as anybody this spring to show that he, he, you know, he can have a role. Now, the big question, of course, with Dylan Bundy is health. I mean, he hasn't been healthy in a very long time. And from a guy who went from being a, a high school drafter who made it up to the big leagues in a year um, to a guy who couldn't stay on the mound. So first and foremost is, is keeping him healthy. Uh, but he has thrown exceptionally well this spring. Uh you know, I think they knew that he, well, he could contribute out of the bullpen. His stuff has been much crisper than uh, anyone could have thought. The velocity is back um, to the point where they're talking about, well, you know, maybe he works his way back into a rotation. Uh, you know, if he's going to be in the big league bullpen to start the year, I don't see how they get him stretched out uh, so he can do that during the big league season. They can't send him down. Um, so, uh maybe in a year. I think probably the best uh, sort of situation for the Orioles is get him through this year healthy. And then if they want to try to stretch him back out during the offseason and, and have him come into next spring vying for a spot in the rotation, great, knowing that they can shorten him back up. But I think he this spring he really went from a guy who, well, we got to keep him because we don't want to lose him. If we put him on waiver, someone's going to grab him, to a guy who could – pitch really meaningful innings out of the bullpen. I mean, the stuff when he's healthy has always been really, really good. And in shorter stints, it'd probably play up. Uh, he won't need his full repertoire, but maybe that's just as well. He can simplify things and, and just go, you know, fastball, breaking ball. And he can fold in a change up too if he, if he wants to, especially against lefties. But, um, you know, if you told me that by midseason or at some point he's a key setup, guy in that bullpen yeah I, I could certainly believe that and uh you know the starting thing I, I like i said i think we'd rather they should err on the side of caution rather than try to stretch him out mid-season but uh for a guy who's been known for so long he's certainly i think he raised his profile this spring and i agree with all that and i think that the key thing that jonathan said is you know the main goal is just to keep him healthy i mean dylan bundy's pitched 63 innings total in the minors the last three years he lasted two innings in the fall league before he got shut down with forearm tightness um i don't believe the orioles have used him even on back-to-back -back days during spring training um so I, I you know i'm glad to see he's healthy uh i still you know, I don't know if we'll ever see that guy that we saw in 2012 who made it to the big leagues at age 19 and was the best pitching prospect in baseball before he got hurt. Um, you know, I totally agree with Jonathan. I don't know how you could possibly, when you're not even pitching the guy in back-to-back -back days, make him into a starter during the season. I think if you get him through the season healthy, then maybe you you know, work on that during the off season so it goes to spring training as a starter next year. But you know, I'd like to see him come all the way back. I'm still, I guess, extremely cautious just because he, he he's had, you know, setbacks beyond the Tommy John surgery. You know, he had shoulder inflammation. He had forearm tightness last year. Again, we, we, we don't even know how this guy's going to hold up if he's asked to pitch two days in a row. So I, I think he's, you know, it's been encouraging, and I, I know why the Orioles are encouraged. 
But, you know, if the guy can give you 65 innings in the big league bullpen this year and avoid the disabled list, even if he doesn't become a sediment, even if he's just pitching middle relief, I think that's a win, and you try to make more of him going into next year. It's a, it's a shame that he's out of options because he really could use innings. I mean, the guy's only pitched, I think, what, you know, 168 pro innings or 170 if you want to count the fall league. Um uh, you know, he, he could use development time, and you're not going to be able to g- give it to him. I mean, he, it, it's almost like he's in a situation like he's a Rule 5 draft pick where to put him in the minors, you'd have to put him on waivers, and you know somebody else would claim him. Yeah, feel-good story, though, to the point that he's he's been through so much as far as the minor league goes from being a top, fir- top first-round type pick and, and being a prospect like that, and he's battled through so much. Good to see him pitching well. All right, I want to get each of you guys to throw in one more name of a guy that's kind of – impressed you this spring Jim let's start with you yeah I don't know I mean I think it's still up in the air as to whether he's actually going to make the team but you know Brandon Drury has had a nice spring and I'm probably not the the biggest Brandon Drury fan I guess on the MLB pipeline staff I I like the bat not really sure where he plays defensively I think he's a a fringy third baseman I I don't really buy him as a guy you could play at second base on a regular basis Uh, he, he might be more of a corner outfielder when all is said and done but he, he's had a good spring he had a very nice year last year in the minors hit hit 303 with 40 doubles i, I think he only had five homers but i think there's more home run power in there um he, he's hit, hit four home runs this spring for whatever that's worth you know and he's hitting i think 368 the last time i looked at the the numbers i you know i do still like jake lamb more than i like Brandon drury um and i think jake you know we'll see who winds up winning that third base job it it may still be lamb but you know, the, the Diamondbacks have to think about Drury. I mean, I'm not the biggest Yosemani Tomas fan in the world at all. And if Yosemani Tomas does not step up his production, Brandon Drury might be a better option in the outfield for them uh, than Tomas. So even if Drury doesn't make the opening day roster, I think he certainly put himself in position. If something happens to Lamb or, or let's say Lamb didn't perform, or one of the corner outfielders doesn't perform, I think he's really helped his cause. And if he doesn't make the opening day roster, we'll be one of the first position players called up you know, when they need a guy. Yeah, it's uh, the Diamondbacks, it's been an interesting spring. Meanwhile, Tomas is hit 472 this spring. Um, so you know, they've had some guys perform. Uh, and it's been interesting to see them with Drury kind of try him out in the outfield, um, you know, especially you know, A.J. Pollock, you know, being banged up, uh, they do need some outfield depth, uh, and, and you know I like I like the bat. I think first and foremost, it, it, this is important since uh, I have been derided previously on this podcast by Mr. Callis for ranking certain traded Yankees prospects to the Reds too lowly. That he has now twice said that he is the low man on on different guys. So it's uh, it's nice to put the shoe on the other foot for a change, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think Drury is ready to hit at the big league level, and 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 it's just a question of where, uh, as Jim pointed out. So maybe he can be a super utility guy, move around, play in the outfield when there's a need, and then see what happens. But uh, you know, I'll segue right to you know the other guy I wanted to talk about because is also with the the, the Diamondbacks at Socrates Brito, who kind of was a you know a, a surprise call up late last year. <laughs> He's like he's not a high-profile prospect, but all he's done is kind of perform. Uh, had a good year last year in the minors. He's had a good spring. He's at 317. He can play center field. Can run a little bit. 
Um, you know, nothing exciting, but you know, a guy who might take be able to take advantage of you know of that opportunity in the outfield. Now, I think it's going to be dependent on what the Diamondbacks want to do. You throw Peter O'Brien into the mix as well. Uh, and, you know, he, he's had a pretty good spring power-wise, not surprising. So they have some interesting parts there to choose from, especially if they need to find some some outfield depth to, to fill in from. You know, And it'll be interesting to see what they do as spring training comes to a close in terms of uh, who they break camp with. Certainly been a, a – anything on Brito from you, Jim, before we move on to our predictions? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I think I actually – I did not do our Diamondbacks list. I actually like Brito a little bit more than Drury long-term because I think he's got a chance to be an up-the-middle player. And, you know, Jonathan mentioned Peter O'Brien. It is interesting. I mean, the Diamondbacks have a bunch of guys who are offensive-minded players who are having good springs. Uh, you know, Samani Tomas would be another one of them, too, that are, are somewhat defensively challenged, and I think Brito is the exception to that rule. You know, he's probably yep. the best all-around player. You know, when you're looking at Drury and O'Brien and Tomas, and and he might be you know he might have the, the be the guy who, who who is their best option not not as much upper minors experience as some of these other guys, but a better all around player and and I think one of the more interesting guys in that entire system. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, it, you know, if you wanted to go with an all offense lineup, I mean, you, I guess you could jam Drury in at second base and you could you know try to jam Peter O'Brien in anywhere. Although O'Brien's probably more of a DH than anything, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. What they do, I mean, and that's a team that's obviously all in to win this year. So I think if you see guys get off to slow starts, they may not get a lot of, you know, a lot of opportunity to snap out of it. They have other options that they may turn to them because you look at what the Dimebacks have done in the last year or so. They're they're clearly gearing up to win this year and next, and, and you know, and, and, and you know that that's going to be the primary goal. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, could see a lot of roster shuffling on the Diamondbacks if they get off to a slow start. All right, great stuff on, on some guys that had some great springs for their teams and will start the season with the big league club. All right, time for predictions as we move from prospects to, to the teams playing in Major League Baseball this year, and, and we'd be remiss for the season to get started without throwing our hats into the ring as far as who's going to win each division, who's going to win the pennants, and who's going to win the World Series. Uh, we'll move pretty quickly through this, guys, but I guess we'll go a league at a time, and then we'll move on to the postseason. Um, Jim, let's start with you. Let's start in the American League. Just go division winners and wild cards. Okay, I've got uh, – I think the AL East is, is probably the most wide-open division. I could see maybe four of the five teams with a chance to win there. I, I gave the Red Sox a slight edge over the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays is a wild-card team, although I'm still a little skeptical of the Red Sox rotation behind David Price. In the AL Central, even though they've been to two straight World Series, I went with the Indians. I had the Royals as a wild card, but I went with the Indians. I just think that was a different team, much better defensive team. After Francisco Lindor got up there at midseason, I think that they might have the best rotation in the American League from top to bottom. Uh, so I like the Indians there. And in the West, I went with the Rangers, and I, I – I don't know if it's shocking. I, I guess I could get in trouble with, with with our boss. I did not pick the Astros to go to the playoffs. I had the Astros as kind of the sixth-best team in the American League. Um, I, I just think a lot of times when you have a team make a giant step forward one year, they sometimes regress a little bit the next year, and I'm not totally sold on the Astros pitching. So I have them as the, the number six team and just missing out on a wild card in the American League. And John now I'll probably need to get my resume out there. Uh, <laughs> if our boss will not like hearing it. Jonathan, what do you got in the American League? Well, I'm picking the Astros to win the AOS because I'm not an idiot. Um, 
So, Jim, it's been nice working with you. Uh, yes. No, I, uh, I will pick the Astros out west. I have the Rangers as a wild card. I've got the Indians in the central as well. Uh, and then I think I flip-flopped uh, Jim's choices in the east. I have the Blue Jays winning the division with the Red Sox as uh, the wild card team. All right, I'm pretty similar to, to Jonathan in the American League. I get the Blue Jays in the East. I just think they're going to thump their way to the division with the Red Sox getting a wild card. Uh, Central, I'm sticking with the Royals uh, for one more year, I feel like, before that starts to, to come apart in the Central. I don't think they're going to be as dominant as they were a year ago, and it'll be close, but I got the Royals in the Central. And then the Astros in the West, and then the Rangers as the second wild card team out in the West. So, Jim... Who's going to survive the American League playoffs and get to the World Series? I've got the Rangers getting to the World Series. Nice. We won't go through how it's all going to break down as far right, as right. seeding and everything, but we'll just say Rangers in the World Series. And Jonathan? You know, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm actually going to pick the Rangers for the World Series, even though they don't win the, in the division. That I just changed that up slightly, just thinking about personnel and how pitching will work in the postseason and that sort of thing. So I, I have Texas going from wild card to World Series. On the fly, and I am going Astros. So there you go. Uh, Look at you sucking up. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the National League, Jim. Divisions and wild cards. Okay, National League. Yeah, you know, the National League. It's I thought almost a little easier to pick these because you basically have two teams in each division that have no chance of making the playoffs, at least in my mind. So you you were kind of sorting out among three teams. National League East, I think the Nationals are going to rebound and be more like the team that we thought they were going to be going into last year when everybody was handing them the World Series trophy before the season began. I have, I do not have the Mets making the playoffs. I, I, I love the young pitching. I don't like the defense. We'll see if they stay healthy. Um, I, I just, I, I think the pitching's good. I, I don't like the rest of the way that team's constructed. NL Central, even though I made my big speech about teams making a big step forward and then regressing, uh, the next year, I think the Cubs can still do that. Um, I, I don't think they're necessarily going to regress with the players they've added. Um, and I've got them winning the division. I do have the Pirates winning the wild card, and I do have the Cardinals as a close third, but on the outside looking in. I have a lot of respect for the Cardinals consistently contending. I just think they're getting a little bit older. And then the National League West, I, you know, I do like the Dodgers' farm system depth. They have a bunch of young arms, but they've had so many injuries, especially to the rotation. I've got the Giants winning the division, the Dodgers winning a wild card, and the Diamondbacks a close third. All right, Jonathan, you're up. All right. Um, so I was on the fence of the second wild card, so I'll do division winners first. I have the Mets winning the division. I, I think that pitching will hold together and, and – that's going to give them the division, not by a lot. Uh, and the Nationals are one of my wild card teams. I have the Cubs winning the Central. Um, you know, especially on paper, I just don't think I don't see how you could go in any any place else. Uh, and then I have the Dodgers winning the West. Uh, then you know, the second wild card, I'm on the fence. Um, I was leaning Giants because I thought maybe I was being you know, too much of a homer by picking the Pirates again for a fourth straight wild card. Um, so, you know what, I will uh, I will stick with that. I will stick with the Giants as my second wild card and we'll let the Pirates prove me wrong. All right, and I have the Nationals. I'm sorry, no, I don't. I'm looking at somebody else's picks. <laughs> I, have, I have the Mets in the East, uh, but the Nationals getting the wild card. Cubs in the Central, but I do have the Pirates getting the wild, second wild card. And then I have the Giants out West. And just to move things along, I have the Cubs in the World Series, so 
Cubs Astros, and I have the Cubs winning it because why not? All right, back to you, Jim. I just need uh, NL pennant and World Series. Yeah, I have the Cubs winning the World Series also over the Rangers. And, yeah, I, I do think we'll see what Jonathan says here, but I, I do think on paper – it's hard to pick against the Cubs, although, I mean, injuries and all kinds of other things can happen during the season. I, I am amazed. I read somewhere that the Cubs are, what, a 4-1 to favorite to win the World Series right now, if, you, if you're betting in Vegas. And that's insane to me. I mean, I would never – 4-1 to odds on a team at this point of the season is crazy. <laughs> all right, Jonathan, what do you got? Well, I'll make it a clean sweep. I'll pick the, the Cubs over the Rangers in the World Series. Uh, I still think that, you know, the Mets with that pitching – in short series gives them uh, an advantage. Um, so I could certainly see that, but I will, I will, I will stick with the Cubbies, uh, at which point I guess Theo Epstein can just retire from baseball. Yeah, to, to end those two curses would be pretty yes. amazing. Unfortunately for Theo Epstein and the Chicago Cubs, with all three of us picking them, their chances no. just took a huge hit. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But on paper, man, it's tough to not go with them. And, and obviously it would be such a big story if they were to finally host that tro uh, hoist that trophy and win the World Series. All right, that's going to do it for another tremendous Pipeline podcast, guys. Thanks a lot for, uh, for catching us up on everything as far as guys doing a great job in spring training, making their clubs, and, of course, all the picks. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for listening.